right, folks, it's Friday, July 8th. We got a special treat, episode 10. This is Teddy Roosevelt coming at you live from Austin, Texas. Um, this morning, I got a call from Austin hero, iconoclast, legend, father, husband, and the producer and host of certainly the most beloved, probably the most listened to, um, most buzzed about political podcast here in Austin, Texas. It is called the Austin City Councilman Podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can find this show. Brad gave me a call, asked me if I wanted to be on the show. I said, of course, there's nothing I would rather do in the world. We did a show around noon. Brad and I are all about the cross promotion. You'll remember he was the very first guest on the very first episode of this show. Welcome to the Austin City Councilman Podcast. This is, of course, Brad Swale. You can find me on Twitter at Brad Swale, B-R-A-D-S-W-A-I-L, and Teddy's Twitter at underscore Teddy Roosevelt. The website, austincitycouncilman.com. You can support the show by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash A-T-X. Councilman, subscribe now, share with friends, and rate the show. Give it five stars because that's what it's worth. Let's get started. Hello, Teddy. Brad, happy Friday. Psych, what's up? Happy Friday. Classic. Not that happy. I'm sort of devastated you weren't on your Friday weekly appearance on Todd and, with Todd and Don on KLBJ. That's the highlight of my week. I set aside that 30-minute block, yeah. and and I look forward to the ritual, Brad, and, and what's going on? What, what happened? Uh, well, they discovered my master plan of taking over the Todd and Don show. So they nice. me out. No, they, uh, I think they had some stuff come up on their end. Um, well, they did. Not I don't know the exact details, but um, they had some stuff come up on their end. I had some stuff come up on my end. Uh, so it just didn't work out today. And that's okay. There's always next week. There's, all, there's always next week, for sure. So I'm honored, humble, humbled, and uh, very appreciative that you extended an invite out to me. It's been a while. Well, yeah, you know, I got to, you know, got to stick with what works. You know what I mean? Um, you're what, getting some prime time. You're getting some prime time guests, uh, Brad. Jenny Chan's one of my favorite follows on, follows on Twitter. I saw you did an hour and a minute with her, so I'm looking forward. I haven't, I've only listened to the first two minutes, so I'm sort of saving that as well. Well, that's okay. But, um, uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I need to do just some uh, some 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 I guess uh, house, housekeeping. Let's call it housekeeping. I think that's what Sam Harris says when he does house when he talks about stuff going on with the show. Um, 
So uh, the thing that was coming up on my end, uh, I've mentioned it before, we have uh, used au pairs for child care. Um, it's actually uh, surprisingly affordable compared to, you know, uh, I don't know, daycares and schools in a lot of cases. But uh, our current au pair, we had to let go. And uh, it looks like she's going to be, she's from China. And it looks like the agency that uh, we went through is not going to allow her to continue the program. So I don't know how exactly she's going to take that. Probably not well. But we are going to be without child care for, I, yeah, I don't know, a, at least a week, maybe two or three weeks, maybe a month. I don't know. I'm going to do my best during that time to produce shows. I will continue to do uh, interviews uh, regardless, at least once a week, but the, you know, daily shows talking about the news, stuff like that will be, uh, a little bit more of a challenge if I'm on full-time dad duty. Oh, and I'm reading the market for au pairs, childcare, babysitters is the tightest labor market, maybe of any industry in America, Brad. Well, I would think that the working for the city of Austin might be the tightest labor market. I figured there'd be a line outside the door. They, it's 22 bucks an hour minimum for anything, right? Well, hold on. Does a tight labor market mean that there's a, a short supply of workers or that not enough people want to work there? Well, the fascinating thing, some of these people on Twitter are saying, uh, hey, the jobs market or jobs report came out in the U.S. added 376,000 new non-farm jobs. But, of course, we're still building back from all the jobs that we lost. But the key thing, go to Zero Hedge, and you'll see actually – um, there's another index that they use to measure and that data feeds into it, but it actually shows Brad, we lost, um, it was like half a million part-time jobs, a ton of full-time jobs. You know where the big increase came? HR. People working two full-time jobs, people working two jobs. Ooh. Well, that was the biggest growth. I think there, yeah, it was like 7,000 new people working like 80 hours a week. So I think some people, especially if you have sort of a cake job, I mean, there's some jobs I've worked working from home where I could juggle it and probably work two jobs. So I'm wondering how much of it is people who are working from home and maybe they could do an East Coast, West Coast thing, or they'd only only have to do Zoom alternate days. So I think there's that out there too. Um, and then other people just like, Hey, I've got a wife and kids to feed. I've got to do this, or I might as well might as well take advantage of it now, because it seems like we're heading in the wrong in the other direction, where they're going to raise rates, tighten the ship, and supposedly unemployment's going to go up. I don't get. I mean, I think it's a really hard thing to tame once it gets in this situation. But um, yeah, the inflation. I mean, inflation, economy, price of gas, groceries. However you want to spin it, that's the number one thing everyone here in the real world talking about but if you look on cnn msnbc they're all talking about trump in january 6th no one cares do you know anyone talking about this brad uh yeah don lemon uh is talking about it uh let's see who else anderson cooper rachel maddow i think that guy quit oh i she moved she or he or i'm not sure what their pronouns are (laughs) but they moved uh who uh i don't know if it would be greener pastures i mean their ratings just hit rock bottom that's the thing it's the ratings are the lowest for CNN I saw since 2015. Um, and remember, they just cleared house. They had a ton of, like, Zucker got kicked out. They had the CNN Plus thing was a disaster. They had a couple child porn or creepy sex things. 
Uh, Cuomo, remember? I mean, they're a disaster. They're they're just a disaster. So I think I feel like the tide is turning. What's Jenny's? Uh, what was Jenny's take on the San Francisco situation? Did she give you any insight into our people hitting her level of being fed up and they're not going to vote Democrat? Uh, well, Teddy, you're going to have to go and listen to the episode. I am. I I am. Uh, you know, you you want me to write a book Don't and then recite it. it to you, or are you going to buy the book? You know what I mean? Um, no, Jenny is, uh, she is a, 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 you know, I think she feels she's, I didn't actually ask her what her politics are. I get the feeling that they, that she's, you know, moderate Democrat, as they like to say, right? Um, I don't know that for sure, but she, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think the definition of a moderate Democrat in San Francisco has just shifted so far left. You know, she identifies more as a moderate Democrat, you know, probably based on the nationwide uh, definition. But the moderate Democrat in San Francisco is just so far left. Far and, right wing. Yeah, She's she doesn't consider a far right wing. Doesn't she doesn't have a lot of confidence in um, San Francisco to, uh, you know, turn things around. So, no. Uh, but, yeah, she's great hilarious yep so sort of following her on Substack. you know i did talk to uh gary spellman yesterday morning i heard that's another one uh he's running for mayor um how did that go it it went really well he's a very personable guy i i enjoyed speaking with him um i'm not going to uh, i don't know uh, editorialize uh, at, at this moment exactly you know what my thoughts and stuff like that are other than to say you know he's he's very personable uh he has uh you know he i i enjoyed speaking with him and i think people are going to are, are going to like to listen to it fantastic Brad you're crushing it on the guest Seriously, you're an often iconoclast legend, institution. <laughs> Seriously, a one man institution. And you're doing and you're doing video. I loved the Adam Lowy podcast. That was my favorite one you ever did. Okay. Seriously. All right. Well, I mean, you've been on a few times, so I would think I would hope that maybe one of those would, you know, be at the top. I but. don't. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. That's that's for the audience to decide. Me personally, as a fan of the show before I even came on, and I was a uh, TACC completist, if you will. I think I've heard probably 80. I've I've heard a lot of them. Um, the shows, but Adam Lowy, uh, great personality. It's just very healthy and refreshing to see two people who don't aren't aren't necessarily in the same party, but they can have an intelligent discussion back and forth and maybe agree to disagree on things. And they're not, um, you know, don't want to get at each other's throats. So it's a, it's a great example of how, you know, we must move forward. The whole hatred and polarization, we're never going to get anything done and it's just going to make everyone mad. We really have to um, remember what the word compromise means. And it's so important in politics uh, compromise, compromise. compromise means, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I've been told <laughs> compromise means you uh, win the presidency with with the help of Vladimir Putin and you are Putin's puppet and therefore you are compromised. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Putin, I mean, if we're going to spend the world politics, I mean, did you see his his speech yesterday, I mean... Putin did a speech yesterday? I did not see that. Give me the recap. I'm going to have to bring up the app to bring up his his, his direct quotes here, but uh, 
he basically he goes, Russia hasn't even started. He goes, I hate to tell you guys, Russia hasn't even started. He's basically just telling the EU, you guys are making foolish decisions. Um, you you can't really survive without gas or <laughs> you can't survive without food or fuel. I mean, that's that's what people have to understand. And, and I've been um, I launched this show, Brad. I'm, I'm, I think I told you last time the Teddy Roosevelt show. Uh, yeah, you were the first guest on the first episode ever. Of course, of course, I, of you know. course I know about it. So that's the most listened to episode so far. So Teddy Roosevelt show. I have been dedicating Brad the month of July to. Um, this is a perfect time to educate everyone on the lunatic, brainwashed people who are totally out of touch with the reality, who are pushing us into a green new nightmare way early, um, way before the technology exists. And that's a, that there's a major problem right now with, with Putin's just basically saying, Hey, it seems like the United States, Putin, Putin. Well, uh, imagine the folly of what, of what Europe's saying right now. They're saying, Hey, we're going to provide military aid and money to the Ukraine, Ukrainians so they can kill you on the battlefield, but don't turn off our gas, please. Please don't turn off our gas. Yeah, well, you so, know, the, again, that's that's sort of the, the the downfall of globalism, right? The 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 major con that is globalism. If you don't get along well with those that you trade with, and they do something that you don't like, then they can just stop trading with you, and then you're kind of screwed. Yeah, um, I'm going to do trigger warning for anyone out there who's uh, who who doesn't like Trump. I'm I'm going to say Trump warned Germany. Remember, and they laughed in his face. He's like, you guys are shutting down all of your energy sources and putting your, you know, national security in the hands of Russia. And he was totally right. I mean, and you're realizing this, France is firing up the coal plants. Um, Germany's firing up the coal plants. And they're quickly realizing they're committing economic suicide. And the people who are paying the price, Brad, are the regular average citizens um, in Europe and in uh, America. Isn't that always so the case, though? It's always the average citizen that pays the price of the of the government's incompetence and the government's poor decision making. I mean, they the, those in power, they you know they're always going to get their their salaries, their paychecks, their pensions, uh, their protection. They're always going to get it. Uh, you know, they they start a war, they're not going to be the ones to go. You know, they they tank the economy. They don't really care. They they insider trade. They do all sorts of stuff. It's not. Uh, they are never the ones. They don't have any skin in the game. Is what I'm saying. That, that's true. But I I mean I don't feel like when we, there is other. I wouldn't wars have said it if America, it wasn't true, but, Teddy. Well, <laughs> well, I don't I don't feel like there's been um a lot of impact when the U.S. had like Desert Storm or I don't know. This was a little bit different. But well, yeah. I mean, this I, is much more global in scale. But you know, Desert Storm. You know, whatever the the politicians that they they, they are, quick. yeah, yeah. Well, sure, it was a lot faster, but they the politicians were not the ones going in there, right? They didn't they didn't do they they're not the ones that sacrificed anything. They, you know, it's not coming out of uh, the, the blood's not coming out of their family, and of course, the people that uh, we beat in Desert Storm, their families didn't turn out. You know, they didn't fare so well. No. No, I know a couple of people. So quick uh, number of Putin quotes from this speech. He was speaking with leaders of the Kremlin-controlled parliament. He said, the West wants to fight us until the last Ukrainian. It's a tragedy for the Ukrainian people, but it looks like it's heading in that direction. 
And then in a menacing voice, uh, the AP says, Putin, go- Putin goes, everybody should know that largely speaking, we haven't even started anything yet in earnest. And so he's like, I want to sit down for talks. I want to have conversations. And he's like, those who refuse to do so should know that the longer it lasts, the more difficult it's going to be for them to make a deal with us. So he's got the food and fuel. Well, you can't do anything and you just realize Europe. Um, I'm reading the book uh, by Michael Schellenberger, Schellenberger, who ran for governor of, of, of California, Apocalypse Never. And he really lays out the case that, um, it, you know, the climate people are saying, hey, it's going to cause um, mass starvation and destruction and suffering um if we don't do anything about the climate in i think it now now it's nine years it'll hit the point of no return i thought it was supposed to be i thought i thought if we didn't do something by this afternoon then it would be the point of no return now we have nine years (laughs) it it all is from aoc's famous quote saying you know you guys you know the world's going to end in 12 years if we don't do anything and you guys are worried about money and uh, you know schellenberger interviews scientists from all over he's like you know, first of all, you, there's no deadline where if we don't get the carbon emissions down by 11:59 p.m. on New Year's Eve, 2032, yeah. you know, then we're we're screwed. Um, the other thing to keep in mind: if a volcano, we're going to look like idiots. Um, a China, you know, China's 33 percent, a third of all the carbon emissions, and they're building a brand new coal plant every two weeks. Um, I think U.S. is 13 percent and uh, the EU combined is like 12 percent. So U.S. and Europe combined is 8 percent less of carbon emissions than China. So it really doesn't make a difference. We're, We're just, you know, punishing ourselves, committing economic suicide and making life more difficult, stressful for everyone here in the United States with the continued things. My question is, why don't we engage in diplomacy? Why don't we fly over? Um, you think we'd want to get Brittany Griner out of jail? I mean, a female person of color athlete? I guarantee, say what you will about Trump, he got um, ASAP Rocky back. He, you know, Kim Kardashian, he made calls. There's no way Trump would let an American languish in a Russian prison for five months. I'm pretty sure he would fly over there and make a deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get that feeling too. Obviously we never know, but yeah, he, he did do uh, quite a bit to get uh, Americans out of, uh, foreign prisoners, foreign, uh, foreign prisoners. I saw Adam Lowy, by the way, uh, previous, uh, TACC guest, uh, tweeted, I thought it was one of the best tweets of July so far. He said, imagine how Twitter would melt if Trump just went over on his own volition and met with Putin and be like, Hey, I'll take care of this. I'll get her out of this situation. <laughs> Yeah. I thought that would be that would be some five D chess, but more and more, I, I every Republican, I don't know anyone who's who wants Trump to do it again. They appreciate what he did. There's a lot of people who are, um, you know, a little. Uh, I don't know. They said they thought he was going to accomplish more as far as the wall, as far as big tech. There's a lot of people who are pissed at Abbott. I hear we're going to uh, maybe call this an invasion, Brad. Have you heard anything about that with the border? Uh, yeah, I have heard about it. Uh, the, you know, he's going to do, you know, invoke the invasion powers act. That's not what it's called, but whatever. He's going to allow the, uh, the, the, the Texas national guard and I think department of public safety to return, 
uh, illegals back to Mexico. So, uh, you know, and that's what I I, I don't know what's wrong with that. I don't know how people can argue that that, you know, we should just allow as many as many people into this country as possible. If you don't have borders, you don't have a country. You know, it doesn't really make sense uh, to to, to just allow that. You know, it it all goes back to this idea of, you know, anything and everything is a human right, you know. It's all everything. It, it doesn't matter what it is. They're going to say, well, it's a human right. No one ever tells me what exactly it means from, you know, scenario to scenario. You know, we all ha- we all know that, you know, you have a, the right to defend yourself with the Second Amendment. You can keep and bear arms and, you know, defend your life, liberty and property. Right. That that makes well, sense. We are. That, that doesn't mean we are. that doesn't you mean see what happened in New York. But that doesn't mean that the government's going to come buy you a weapon. Right. You you have the right to buy it yourself. But when, you know, healthcare is a human right, they mean that the government needs to provide it for you. You know, and then you have this, uh, you know, stuff like housing is a human right. What does that mean? Does it mean that the government buys you a house or does it mean that the government doesn't stand in your way from buying a house? You know, they have a, the, these illegal immigrants have a right to, to immigrate here, to cross our border. What does that mean? What is it a right? Like, do they they just get to do it? Does it mean that the federal government has to encourage it and you know help them over? What does it mean? It's a great question. Great, great uh, eight questions. Well, I'm full of questions, man. I've got answers too, uh, but I want to talk about the. You, know, you talked about the uh, Michael Schellenberger's book, The Apocalypse Never, right? Uh, and Axios Austin today. The number one story, long-term drought could cost Texas trillions of dollars. The big picture is water supply in Texas is projected to decline by 18% by 2070, while demand for water in the state is expected to increase by 9% in the same time period, according to a report from Rice University's Baker Institute of Public Policy and Texas 2036, a nonpartisan think tank. I seriously doubt that's a nonpartisan think tank, but whatever. Um <laughs> And uh, they say that the the Southwest, that includes Texas and many other states, are in the grips of a mega drought that ranks as the driest period since at least 800 A.D., with human emissions of greenhouse gases accounting for about 42 percent of the drought's severity. Now, that study is behind a paywall, so I can't access it, but I do have questions about how they how they do this right 42 percent of it is supposedly from uh human emissions anthropogenic global warming right and so how did the 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 driest that that other dry period in 800 a.d how did that happen what happened there and how do they you know how do they really know they take core samples from soil and whatever sure all right fine but what happened? What was the difference? Why was it so dry then? We didn't have all of these greenhouse gas emissions in Texas at that time or in the southwest region. How did it happen? And with water being so scarce, Teddy, I'm sure you're aware of the city of Austin's uh, uh, terrible management of its water. Don't we leak something like billions of gallons of water every single year, enough to fill Lake Buchanan? It doesn't make it, it, all right, so demand is going to go up by 9%. Supply is going to go down by 18%. How much of that is because of poor management of water? That decline of 18%. I'd say it's a huge factor. And isn't every single lake in Texas man-made? 
Uh, I think there's one that's not. Uh, I don't know that it's. I, I don't quote me on that. I don't know that it's just one, but I I, I think that's correct. Um, but uh, you know, the, the point that I'm getting at here is. All right, yeah, so it's going to decline by 18%, the the supply of water. How much of that is due to uh, municipal mismanagement, government mismanagement of our water supply? Uh, it, maybe it's uh, 1%, maybe it's 15%, but it's not 0%, right? And what they're going to do, they're going to ignore those, those problems. They're not going to spend a bunch of money. The Austin Water is not going to all of a sudden start keeping their profits instead of sending them to the general fund to uh, promote all these progressive agendas that the city council and mayor want to do. They're, gonna, they're not going to stop doing that. They're not going to keep that money, their profits, to improve and stop these leaks. It's going to be a little bit at a time, maybe – and then other leaks are going to spring up, and it's not the problem's never going to never going to get fixed. Of course, because their progressive agenda is far more important. And what they're going to do is they're going to either charge you more or make it harder for you to access uh, the, the, this precious resource that is known as water. They're not going to make it easier for you. They're not going to fix their mistakes. They're going to make your life harder because you are to blame, not the government. Yep, these people just don't get like. How did how does Colorado have the biggest snow dunes or uh, uh, sand dunes snow dunes? They got big big snow. How does Colorado have the biggest sand dunes in North America? Because Colorado was under the ocean. People just don't realize that the the Earth is billions of years old, and for us just to take a little two hundred point data set, you know, out of six billion data points, even if we're just taking it a century at a time, it's still hundreds of millions of data points, and we just want to shave off. The most recent 125 since modern weather um, instruments have been invented. I mean, the arrogance and the foolishness of it of us to make these grandiose statements when Earth has been um, through you know way more dramatic developments than the Industrial Revolution. How about Krakatoa exploding and the entire Earth gets circled by plumes of ash and a plums it, it plunges the global temperature like minus. I want to say four degrees Celsius and crops couldn't grow and there was starvation. And there's things that are way out of our control, like a volcano or asteroid that we're going to look like total idiots because it, 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 because it would be all for naught if um, Mount Rainier blew up in Seattle. I mean, it's, it's what we're being idiots. And then Michael Schellenberger is just saying the money that we're spending, like we're trying to shove this, like we're trying to tell Africa and India, Hey, you guys got to embrace. We have all this modern technology for solar or wind. So right now, solar and wind combined with all of the investments, trillions of dollars around the world, Brad, what percentage of the global energy generation are wind and solar combined? More or less than 5%. Well, I mean, obviously, just based on your question and the, 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 your, everything that you said, I I'm loaded gonna, it, gonna, right? you loaded it up. So I'm going to guess less than 5%. I'm going to say, four, I'm going to say four point, up. I'm going to say 4.2%. Lower. Dang. 1.6. A little higher. High. Right in the middle. Three. 3%. Okay. 3% wind and solar combined. And here's the deal. Like I've been tweeting at environment Texas and that's what these hacks, I've got an Austin specific website and I know I've launched a lot of projects here that just never happened. <laughs> I'm blaming all bad business partners and people who let me down. I would never, ever let your audience down. And you know, I always follow through on everything. So I've got an awesome specific thing because you'll have like KXAN, KXAN 
say, hey, we contacted environment um, or energy experts, and they said wind and solar actually, you know, the grid would go down, Brad, without wind and solar. We talked to Luke Metzger with Environment Texas. They don't sound very biased, do they? About, about analyzing... No, I've I've dealt with Environment Texas, uh, for lack of a better word, lack of a better word, panhandlers. Right? They they go out there and they're standing on the street, and you're just minding your own business, maybe listening to your favorite podcast in your headphones, and they stop you and they want you to sign up and sign their petitions and all sorts of stuff. I've I've dealt with them. Oh, they're one of those. They're one of those. Okay, I, b- I believe so. Yes. Okay. Well, they'll they'll call them up and 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 Luke Mestre will be like, oh yeah, if you look at their ERCOT. Uh, grid information um wind and solar were providing 30 to 50 percent of the energy at any given time so the grid would definitely go down yesterday if it wasn't for wind and solar that's it's 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 such bullshit because then you look like four days later five days later wind is super low and keep in mind solar's the hot we just had the summer solstice so the the sun's gonna slowly contribute less and less solar energy from now until December and hardly anything in the winter, the winds are the lowest traditionally in August. And that's when demand is highest. So Brad, there's a company salient S A L I E N T salient predictions. And they predict, um, like a better than one in three chance that the Texas grid is going to go down this summer in August. One in three chance, chance, a one in three chance that the entire grid goes down. Uh, the, the grid is going to go down. Yeah. Well, the thing about Texas is we're we're independent. We learned that the hard way. So, no, I know that we're. Yeah, I know it, that our it, grid is separate from the the western grid and the the eastern grid. Um, but yeah, no, I mean yes, but whatever. Yeah, we're we're separate. We have the independent grid. Fine, but it's not like the other grids never go down. I mean, the entire grid doesn't go down, but the there there are blackouts and power outages. All over the place, you know. When we had our our, our snow apocalypse, we weren't the only ones that lost our power. I mean, other states did too. That were on these grids. It's not like a foolproof. It's not like if we just gave in to the federal government, all of a sudden everything would be good. I don't. I don't know why anybody would believe that. I'm not saying that you do, but well, well, uh, you have the federal government saying, you know, Rick Perry pushed pushed the wind. I'm not saying Republicans are absolved from anything, but. You know, with Joe Biden, some of these tweets saying, hey, gas station owners, uh, you know, forfeit your 6% profit per gas. You're, you're, you're gouging people or the oil producers. In order to think about the logistics and the financial capital you need for like an offshore drilling, like drilling for oil underwater, finding out where it is, drilling down into the earth or into the seafloor, or just a, a straight up thing. Amateurized, you're going to make a huge upfront initial investment to recoup that that oil and natural gas, whatever you're digging out, over a 30, 40, 50 year time span. So I've got my buddy, a petroleum engineer in Oklahoma. He's just like the investment is frozen up for any new projects. The refineries are working like 90 to 95 percent what's open, but no one's investing, um, you know, to open something where literally the federal government saying even if the Santos won or Republicans won for eight years. A Democrat could it could swing back um, in twenty thirty two, and they say nope, we're going carbon neutral by twenty forty, and they're still going to lose money. So it doesn't matter what the industry is, but especially an industry like we need to have a clause that like grandfathers people in. We need to encourage the investment because 
the wind and solar is just the sun goes down and the wind is intermittent. So salientpredictions.com, uh, Brad, they, they, you know, um, they're just saying the combination of dry conditions is leading to higher daily temperatures because more of the sun's energy is going into heating the earth's surface um, than evaporating the water. So they're not, they're saying it's, it's, it's going to get hotter and maybe not, not evaporated, but they think it's going to get hotter as the summer continues. High temperatures impact the efficiency of the of the transmission lines, so that reduces the capacity. Yep. Um, and then the wind power they predict a substantial decline in available wind power during the summer doldrums. Solar power begin, begins its reduction during August. They're also saying if there's any wildfires in California, I did not know this. So wildfire smoke actually reduced California's solar generation 20% in 2020 because the sun couldn't hit the panels as well. Wow. So all I'm saying is salient predictions, go to it.com, salientpredictions.com blog, anticipating the August energy crisis for Texas ERCOT. They're expecting energy demand to be highest and supply lowest due to wind power, solar insulation, and cooling day. It's a, it's a unit of, of measurement, cooling degree day predictions. This could lead to a substantial hike in electricity costs and and danger. So I don't know if you saw a number one story in San Antonio this past week um, on MySA.com, number one at the top. People are getting their biggest electric bills of their life. And it's people, you know, they've lived through a hot summer before. I know it was hot, hottest ever, but they're like, we are watching everything. Our thermostat doesn't go below 82 and our bill was $375. Our highest ever before was 180 and we've lived here for three decades. Yeah. And it was across the board, Brad. And then Texas Tribune, or the, I think it was either Texas Tribune or the guy in my essay is like, oh, yeah, um, starting July, August, everyone in Texas should expect their bills to increase 50, 60, 70 percent as if we weren't getting hammered um, in, in any other way. So you just see we are a petroleum-based world a modern world and um you know michael schellenberger makes it really clear like um and another book i'm reading fossil future by alex epstein that there's going to be way more suffering if we continue to disregard fossil fuels and make it more difficult because the the technology is not just not there and who wouldn't want it to be there it's way cleaner it's way cheaper wouldn't it be great if we could just cover our roofs with panels um, and, and that would provide enough electricity for three or four days, or we could conserve it. That's the other thing, Brad. No one's invented a battery, uh, a efficient battery to harness when it's when the wind is going crazy and it's 30 miles an hour, and then it could release that energy. So you always have to have natural gas, nuclear, coal as a backup because you know they're not going to let you down. Yeah, well... But when, but when turbines are, I've got a video coming on with turbines. I think this is the eighth video that I've announced on the show that I haven't done, but this one's almost <laughs> done. Um, wind turbines, Brad, what, uh, I'm, I'm not going to give you a date. What do you think the life expectancy is? Blank question, no multiple choice or true or false or higher or lower. Turbine? Yeah, what's the life expectancy? 20 years. Nailed it on the first try. Ding, 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 ding. That's how good I am. So, Think about that. Have you ever seen a, a wind turbine blade on the highway? What do you mean? Like driving down the, the highway? Size of one. Like, Have you ever seen one up close? Oh, yeah. They're massive. 
you got a couple trucks, you got oversized loads, you got some diesel powered vehicles, right? Getting, and they got to take them one at a time. Each of them have three. So there's a massive amount. They got to dig into the earth. Um, I, the research I've done shows that, that when you factor in everything else, climate or wind turbines are one of the worst things for the climate. And they definitely cost the environment way more than they give us back in, in energy. Just getting it out there, and then you only have 20 years to the maintenance, and then you got to take it apart. It's all, if you see the inside of it, I, this video is going to blow your mind. Like, there's nothing recyclable on the inside. It's like heavy, you know, uh, wires and equipment and metal. And, well, there is, there is metal in there, but there's fiberglass on the blade. They're just, it's just toxic. Same with solar panels. So, no one talks about that. The sheer amount of diesel power, and they're putting these out in the, in the ocean too they're ugly people who've lived near there um live near them say they just make this sound that just creeps you out like this dull sound and by the way brad how many birds do you think these turbines kill in north america per year well that's going to be a high number uh i'm going to guess nine million no it's not nine million probably closer to half million i've seen ranges from depending on how pro-turbine or pro-nature they are, between, you know, like 285 and 600. I mean, it's, it's tough to estimate. The thing that it really kills that I'd, I've never heard anyone talk about, it's the number one killer wind turbines of migratory bats. Okay. Well, that, that doesn't sound good for Austin. You'd think that Austin would steer away from wind turbines. You'd think that, and then... What happens when the bird and the bat population, and these things kill eagles, they kill like eight eagles a year in this um, one pass in California. Guess what the bugs do, Brad? They, they party like it's 1999 without any bats or bugs around. The thing is, the bats don't even have to hit the turbine. The pressure from these blades, like it causes whatever the weird reaction, like their hearts will explode, like they're in their, inside their little chest. Or they'll have like a, a bat aneurysm or something. It'll mess with their blood pressure so bad that they just like spontaneously combust. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? All right, Teddy, I got to go. That's it? What do you mean that's it? That's 36 I minutes. Almost quick. thirty, almost 37 minutes. Brad, it's always a pleasure. It goes by too quick. We were doing it almost every day for a while, so... Um, I, I, I miss being on the show. It's good to hear your voice. You have a very soothing voice, and I was distraught, and I had to pick myself off the floor after I didn't hear you on KLBJ. <laughs> so where can they find you? Well, Teddy, you know they can find first me. I go first. Uh, the, yeah, you go first. You've got a lot of projects. What's going on? TeddyBroosevelt.substack.com is the mothership. I'm streaming the Teddy Roosevelt Show, brand new podcast. we got episode 10 coming. I might have Brad, if, if I can... Have the what the Creative Commons uh, license. I would love to share this with my six or seven listeners, none of whom live in Texas. You know, they're all on the coast, but the people who listen love it. So yeah, share it, share um, away, my friend. Got a brand new uh, post on HugePatriot.com. I have an Austin-centric website. I'm building personally, Brad. That's going to melt the internet on Monday. And then I'm uh, suspended from Twitter. Thank you, Twitter. I got suspended. We should have talked about that. My sixth suspension for COVID, and I'm thinking about suing the shit out of him like Alex Berenson. So that's the whole thing. So you can't find me on Twitter until, like, Wednesday night of next week. Well, 
Thomas J. Henry, who I'm sure will take up your case. You can find me on Twitter at Brad Swale, B-R-A-D-S-W-A-I-L, the website AustinCityCouncilman.com, and support the show. Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash A-T-X Councilman. Teddy, I'll talk to you later. Always a pleasure, Brad. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye.